Welcome to the Bible in the News. Ireland has been in the news again recently because of fear of the troubles that there were there, the violence and the riots and bombings and so on starting up again because of the changes due to Brexit. We are going to um, just have a little look together at um, some of the history of the conflict and the situation in Ireland and how it affects the news and the Bible. Ireland has the outstanding position of being a place that has incubated the conflict between Protestant and Catholic into the modern era. In most places, Protestants don't really protest anymore, and, and Catholics are not usually as violent as they once were. The, um, the people in Ireland are very strongly divided. The Catholics are very Catholic, and the Protestants are very, Catholic, very Protestant. A Brazilian once observed, in Ireland, even the cattle in the fields are either Catholic or Protestant. You can tell which by looking at them. And that's the nature of the place. So, like all of Europe, Ireland was mostly Catholic before the Middle Ages. But in many places, Protestantism came to be because the Reformers saw the errors of the Catholic Church and were convinced to change their views based on their personal convictions. But Protestantism was introduced to Ireland in a little bit of a different way because King Henry VIII of England basically imposed Protestantism on the very Catholic Ireland by decree. He orchestrated an order of parliament that replaced the Pope as the head of the Catholic, of the Catholic Church in Ireland, that the Church would then be headed by him and would become a branch of the Anglican Church. After him, there was then a Catholic queen that came to power, Queen Mary, um, who's sometimes known as Bloody Mary because of all the violence and the bloodshed that was done under her control. Queen Mary started a settlement of English people in Ireland, and this was greatly resented. Ironically, these people that the Catholic Queen Mary put in Ireland became the core of what would become the Protestant areas of Ireland. Catholics would have us believe that the kingdom of God on earth is to happen when essentially everybody becomes Catholic. So their, their dominion comes to fill the earth, and as they consider themselves the kingdom of God on earth, then that is what the Bible talks about when it's talking about the kingdom of God. But if we look at a place like Ireland, where for so many years, and even still today, the majority of people are Catholics, the, the situation that we see and the things that are going on are, are not a very blissful um, state of affairs. What the Catholic reign brought was a persecution on people who are not Catholic and um, years of terrorist activity. As time went on, the, um, the people in the English settlement were forbidden to intermarry with the Irish Catholics, and this cemented the division. Ireland gained independence in the 1920s, and Catholicism became entwined with the, the civil rule of the place. Catholic law was the law of the land. This division persists today, where in the north there are very many Protestants and areas that have a very big Protestant majority. But 
most of Ireland and all of the south is heavily Catholic. As the years have gone by, many different groups and many armies have been involved in the conflict, and there has been violence back and forth. In the 1960s, the IRA started a war to try and free the north from England and establish a single Catholic majority rule over the entire island of Ireland. The British Army backed those of Northern Ireland who did not want their independence but wanted to stay connected with Britain. The IRA carried out many terrorist attacks during this time, so it was a time of guerrilla warfare, and this continued right up until late into the 90s, and then there was an offshoot of the IRA who rejected the peace deals when they were made, and the violence continued through them into the 2000s. In response, the northern groups carried out attacks against Catholics as reprisals and as a way to protect their freedom. One of the last attacks by the IRA was the Manchester bombing of 1996. We'll just watch a little video clip of that bomb going off. So as I mentioned, there was a peace treaty signed that was in 1998, and that ended most of the troubles. Today, though, there are still walls dividing different sections to to keep the peace, the peace walls, um, and they're they're all over the place, right through neighborhoods, to divide between the Protestant sections and the Catholic sections to stop attacks back and forth. So as I mentioned, what's bringing this to the fore again is the, um, the situation from Brexit, because part of the agreements is that there would be no border between the North and the South, that there would be um, free movement, and also that there should not be a border between, a, a sea border between Ireland and England. So as now England has left the EU, but Southern Ireland has remained in the EU and does not want to separate and join England as part of Brexit, this has brought added complication and is threatening to bring back the, the troubles that there was before. There are now threats of violence once again and renewed calls from the South for a united Ireland. Here are some pictures of the peace walls. There's just some examples. There's a, a crossing there with a gate and you can see how tall they are, that they tower over the houses and make it very difficult to throw anything over the top. Here's a couple of articles highlighting the, um, the calls by Sinn Féin, which is a southern, what they would call Republican Party. That would be the Catholic group. And they are trying once again to unite the entire island of Ireland under their rule. The way that they're hoping to accomplish this this time is because... Um, in the north, the, the, the Catholic uh, population has um, increased much more quickly. They've been outbred, essentially. Um, what was once a very strong Protestant majority in the north is being eaten away. If you look at this article from the Irish Times, they have a graph there that shows the change over time of the population. The darker part that's almost red 
is people that are neither Protestant or Catholic, they're atheist or whatever. And the, the green part is the Catholics and the orange part is the Protestants. This is this graph in this article is actually from 2015, so it's it's even closed further now. They they think that the Protestants may still have the majority in that of those that consider themselves neither, there are more of those who are Protestant than Catholic. But being as the divide is not just about religion, religion is only a part of the of the issue. There's also political and cultural aspects to this. So they're expecting that those with a Protestant background, come from a Protestant family, would still vote to remain with England. I have a quote there from the from the article on the right-hand side. Do Northern Ireland unionists need to be worried? Since at least the 1960s, many unionists have anxiously watched the natural increase of the Catholic minority. Since Catholics had traditionally strongly supported Irish unity, which Protestants overwhelmingly opposed, this raised the long-term nightmare of Protestants being outbred and absorbed by the Republic of Ireland. In response to these things happening, the uh, unionist pro-England Protestant side has been um, posting posters threatening return to violence. Carrying on in this article from The Guardian, the Good Friday Agreement was the peace agreement that brought peace in Ireland, and part of this agreement was the achievement of reconciliation, tolerance, and mutual trust, which was hoped to be gained over time. However, this has yet to be achieved. There's a support group for Sinn Féin, the Republican Party of the South, and they have placed half-page ads in large U.S. newspapers in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other U.S. News, US newspapers calling for a referendum on Irish unification. The ads were titled, A United Ireland, Let the People Have Their Say. Having a vote may seem like a peaceful and, and amenable and democratic way to do this, but the result could actually be a return to the violence that there was in the past. Northerners are also concerned of persecution and discrimination that many that lived in the South earlier had experienced. There were many Southern Protestants who fled to the North over the years to escape Catholic persecution. Now that Brexit has happened, there's essentially a border in the sea, as was promised there not to be, between Ireland and England. The inhabitants of Northern Ireland are feeling like second-class citizens, that they are not really part of the country that they actually belong to. So as Bible students, then, we, we are curious how these things might fit in to the Bible and Bible prophecy, if there's anything to be said about it. One of the things that we would consider is whether Ireland is part of the, the southern Tarshish powers, as we call them, the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof, whether Ireland would be part of Tarshish, whether it would be a young lion associated with Tarshish and part of the south, or do we expect them to be part of the north? It could be argued that Ireland should be part of the north because of their association with England and in history back in the days of the of the ancient Tarshish and the trading in metals, Ireland was definitely involved in that trade. In the end time when the Lord comes to establish the kingdom, 
when the throne of David will be reestablished in Israel and people will be called upon to come up to Jerusalem and to worship, it seems that the southern Tarshish powers are far more amenable to that idea and come up and therefore suffer less judgments. However, Europe has a fire scent on them. As it says, there's a fire scent on Magog. And Europe becomes, as described in Revelation, the lake of fire, that it's an area where there's severe judgments because of the way they've treated God's people and because of their opposition to the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes to establish the kingdom. The other side to this is because Southern Ireland has had such a strong and devout Catholic background, their sympathies and their thoughts are very much aligned with Catholic Europe and not so much with Protestant England. The north of Ireland, of course, is different, but the south is very much in tune with Catholic Europe. The verse that I've got on the screen there is Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, and it says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. And down through the years, it's always been a good idea to separate as much as possible from Catholic Europe and the Catholic Church. And those who have done so, those that through in ages past fled to places like the United States, have fared much better than those that remained in Catholic Europe. When we consider Ireland in light of that, the south of Ireland has stayed very much in and a part of Rome. They're more Roman Catholic there than they are in much of Europe. So based on that, maybe the north will remain with England and will escape some of those judgments. Maybe the south will remain with Catholic Europe where they are ideologically aligned and receive the judgments that are coming on the Catholic system. As in most areas of the world, Ireland has been rocked by scandals in the Catholic Church as well. Many of those scandals are so horrific that we wouldn't even want to talk about them. One that's just been in the news very recently, in fact, just uh, this week, is a report that's come out about mother and baby homes. There was an investigation that was begun after a mass grave was found near one of them. There's an article about it here. In January, this country was rocked by the publication of the final report of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of Investigation, which runs to thousands of pages and tells the often harrowing stories of the unmarried mothers and their children who were effectively committed to the homes between 1922 and 1998. Most damningly, the report confirms that approximately 9,000 children died while living in the homes. And he carries on. It's very diff difficult for those of us who remain observant Catholics to comprehend that the clergy we were taught to revere could have perpetrated such evil in the 20th century when our church exerted near total control over Irish society, some of its deeds were unforgivable. Absolute power does corrupt absolutely, saddening and sickening in equal measure. We believe that some of the Catholics' practices with a celibate priesthood and such things only exasperate this problem and in some cases cause it and bring much trouble and grief in the Catholic populations. It's been a characteristic of the Catholic system not to truly repent of the sins that they have been involved in. Revelation chapter 9 talks about this in verse 20 and 21. It says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, this is actually talking about a time in history when judgment was coming on Catholic Rome by the hands of the Muslims. So it carries on. 
yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. When it says that they should not worship devils in that English translation, the Greek behind that is this word daemonion. We're given two possible meanings in Thayer's. The first is the divine power, deity, divinity, and the second is a spirit, a being inferior to God, superior to men. In the Catholic system, adherence to Catholicism often pray more to what they call the patron saints, those people who have died and they would think have gone to heaven, that they pray to them to perform miracles and save them rather than praying to God. This is a practice that the Catholic system has definitely not repented of, and they, they worship these essentially false gods uh, still to this day. A little later in Revelation, it talks about the church's final destruction in Revelation chapter 18. In Revelation 18, verses 2 and 3, it said, says, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxen rich through the abundance of her delicacies. At the time of her destruction, then, she is seen as unclean and committing fornication with the rulers of the world. By committing fornication, I believe that that means that she is performing underhanded deals. There's corruption and she's compromising her principles and those of God for the sake of advantage and for gaining power and influence with the kings of the earth. There is no faithfulness to God, his word, or his principles. This has been the Bible in the News once again. Thank you for joining us, and come for more Bible in the News next week, God willing.